Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio with Stan, our producer, getting ready to record episode number 202, where we're going to talk about rec ball, coaching rec ball, and some things that we have to really think about when we're coaching the younger and more beginning level players. Before we get into that, though, let's talk about Anderson Bat. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website, and order your bats, use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. I'm going to make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. We love having Anderson on board as our primary sponsor. They do a great job for us. Uh, it's that 20% discount is going to help you save a tremendous amount on your order and also help support the podcast at the same time. Also, if you want to support the podcast, become a patron. We need more patrons. We want you to go, come on board. We're talking about 5 10 or $20 a month. If you want us to be able to keep doing the podcast into the future, we need to cross this threshold. We have been so close to breaking even now for a couple of months that if we can get five or six more people to come on board, we can actually be a lightly profitable business. Now, of course, we need to be profitable for about 50 years to make up for what we've already lost in the first five, but we would love to at least be able to know that it's no longer a a losing proposition every month. So if you're in a position where you can, Come on board as a patron. Again, patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. Coach Don and I really do need the support, and we really do appreciate the support we've had from our existing uh, patrons. Uh, those patrons have kept this uh, podcast alive now. It was about three years ago that we first started talking about not being able to do it, and we've had some people that have been with us uh, from the beginning that have been supporting it, and we definitely uh, want to keep going on into the future. So when you're coaching at the more beginning levels, you know, whether it's rec ball or in some cases, maybe like a middle school, school ball level, you have the challenge of all challenges for coaches. And this is something that I think is always really daunting and really hard to manage, but it's also important that coaches are always paying attention to it because nothing can derail that beginning level player faster than being in a situation where coaching that they're receiving and in the situation that they're in is not preparing them or not doing what we need to do to help those kids kind of gain momentum and gain confidence and learn enough about the game that they start to have fun playing it. And one of the biggest challenges that we see all the time is at the entry level, you're always going to have a gigantic spectrum. You're going to have some kids that are showing up that have you know got their first ever glove two weeks ago have never even played catch in the driveway or thrown with their mom or dad or anything at all showing up for practice. And you're going to have some kids that have been playing for a little while. And you're going to have some kids that are really pretty good players for that, you know, for that level. Super um, athletic. That are, or, that are really yeah. you know, kind of way ahead of the rest of them. We all know the way it works that you know, there's some sort of draft or player dispersal or whatever. And almost every team is going to have a situation where they're going to have a couple of really good players, a couple of Eh, players, a couple of not really beginners, but not very experienced, and a couple of flat-out beginners, kids that might have never even played at all. And 
that combination of kids from a coaching perspective can be the most challenging and difficult thing you'll ever face because how do you coach a team that has such a gigantic variance in skill levels and experience? No, that makes it really tricky for sure, Tori. And you know, we want to make it a situation where the kids that are a little bit more advanced still have fun, still work on their skills, but to keep an environment that's safe for the newbies or the ones that are just getting started, I think is a real important piece as well. You right. know, they're not being overwhelmed and that they're encouraged to to keep going and to have fun, like you said. And um, again, to have structure and things like that, I think is important and, and fun for the kids to be a part of. Right. You know, and that if it's all scattered and chaos at practice because we're not really organized, I think that might send a, a message that would be less than ideal. Right. Well, and I think one of the things that any good practice is always targeting where the players are at. Now, when the players are at three or four different places, it means that we've got to be much more creative and much more thoughtful in what we're planning for practice that day. So, and to your point of making sure that we don't dumb it down so much that the experienced players hate it, but we don't speed it up so fast that the weaker, less experienced players can't keep up is a real balancing act. And sometimes I think it requires maybe doing a little bit more group work, maybe, you know, separating the kids for certain aspects of practice, maybe, you know, being... Help them pick their partners for throwing. Right. And and, and that kind of thing, because nothing is more heartbreaking than to see some player that barely can catch the ball being matched up with some kid throwing absolute lasers across the field. Right. All those different things are things that we have to be paying attention to. And again, you know, we, we want to you know, have an environment where the best players are still getting challenged and getting, you know, some work on stuff that they need to work on, but that also still provides the opportunity for the weakest players to, you know, gain momentum and, you know, try to close the gap a little bit, I guess. And so, sure. you know, the, the good news, when you're working with a player that has zero experience, they also have zero bad habits. Right. So the good news is that if you do a good job kind of, you know, getting them in Get the on the ground, level, ground yeah. level and up and running and, and teaching them some things that are important. I think that's a really good thing. So quick little side story. I'm working with a player right now that when she came to me for lessons this year, had never held a bat in her hand and decided because she's got some friends that are softball players that she really wants to play and she's going to go out for the team. Well, this player is going to be a freshman in high school. and it was really kind of shocking to me living in this part of the country. One that a player could get to be a freshman in high school and have never played softball because you know, it's just like a a foregone conclusion that so many kids are going to play, but, but she'd been involved in a few other sports, but you know, not super involved in anything and had developed this interest in, in fast pitch. And so her dad called and, you know, said that, you know, he wanted to bring her in and get her started on some lessons but that she had never played. And when he said never played, I was thinking like had never, you know, been on a, like a good team or something like that. Right. You know, like play played. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. mean and expect that he meant, you know, has not held a bat in her hands yet. Right. But now here's the good news. So very, very quickly she learned and has learned a lot. She's still sticking with it. The good news is that, you know, she's, athletic enough and dedicated enough and aware of what she's doing enough that she's made a lot of progress in in a couple of short months she's gone from you know not knowing how to stand at the plate not knowing where her feet should be not knowing which hand should be on top in her grip to 
you know, making good solid contact and hit, hitting some balls that I think have a chance to be hits in game. So I'm super excited about her development, but it was such a, like a reality check and such a reminder for me to think about how do you work with somebody who's such a raw, undeveloped player. And it was really exciting and, and a little bit scary, to be honest with you, because it's been a long time since I've worked with somebody that wasn't a pretty good player trying to fix something or trying to solve a problem. Sure. It's all the way back to you know my high school coaching days when we would you know really be developing players. And I, I remember, well, I have to correct that. We had one girl when I was coaching uh, in college that was a soccer star that came out for the team to help us because we had so many injury problems that we couldn't I remember that. Yeah. field the team. But in that situation, I wasn't really the person that was coaching her very much because we had assistant coaches that were really good at the, the stuff that they were trying to help her do. But taking somebody with zero experience and working with them requires some planning, some thinking, some uh, designing things in your in your approach to make sure that you build in some successes for them. You know, and in my case, you know, the first time I threw a pitch to her, it was it felt like I was trying to figure out how to hit the bat versus whether I could throw a pitch and she could hit it. Now we've gotten to the point where I'm trying to throw different pitches to different locations and she's hitting them. But, you know, that very first day, I I didn't even know for sure, uh, should I even toss a ball yet? Because I don't want her to miss 25 in a row and and get frustrated. Fortunately, she hit a few that first day and kind of gained momentum. But, you know, the, the sidebar to it is, after a couple of weeks, I talked to her parents and, you know, basically said, if her goal is to play on the school team, I'm just really nervous because her lack of experience besides, you know, I mean, she's learning how to hit, but not knowing, you know, the game, you know, the typical high school program now is not training ground. It's either you can play or you can't. Yeah. You're already, you're already there. Right. When fortunately, you know, her high school has, are in a position where they're willing to let her develop a little bit. And now they've got a really good varsity team. They have a, like a state championship level varsity team, but for their JV team, they are willing to spend some time with kids that might become something that might develop. And that's a good school environment. And yeah. so, so that part, we got very, very lucky because I think there's a lot of other places that she could be going that she would have gotten cut from the team the first day. Tori, as, as we're talking about this too, with the, with the rec scenario, often we're probably talking about coaches that are first time right. and maybe just giving their time um, in an effort to try and let their daughter have an opportunity to play and, right. and so forth. But wouldn't it be a neat environment for an experienced coach to go back and be a part of that? And what a neat environment, uh, being able to structure good practices and doing things like that for a, a first-time player, that would really be a neat thing for, for somebody to uh, be a part of. I think that would be really neat. Yeah, well, it has been a great experience for me, and it's something that I'm I'm really happy I've had that opportunity, and and I hope she sticks with it and and keeps going because it's a lot of fun to see that amazing development, the growth. When you work with a really talented player, you might work for a month or two and make one small little adjustment that makes a, t- a tiny little improvement. Yeah. Now it's important for them because they're not going to have gigantic leaps and bounds because they're already pretty darn good at it. But so back to our you know, how do we manage this if I'm coaching a rec team or an entry-level team? Maybe I need to do more group work. Maybe I need to split the kids up into, into sections at different times. When I put them together for team activities, as you said earlier, I have to make sure that if my shortstop's got a cannon, first my base first can baseman catch. can catch it. Yeah. I can't have one of my weakest beginning players at first base 
trying to catch balls that are getting thrown at 50 miles an hour to them by more experienced players. Things break down. It's better to break down at shortstop than at first. Right. Yeah. Safety-wise. Yeah. But now the other thing is, I also think that we have to you know, make sure that when we're working with these less experienced players, that we don't fall into the, the path of least resistance. You know, the human nature thing is we'll just throw them in the outfield. Put them in the outfield. Yeah. You know, not, not many balls are going to get hit to them and, and maybe it'll hit them in the glove. But, you know, we have to make sure that we're helping these younger, less experienced players really develop. And so we have to build time into every single practice where your weakest players are taking ground balls. They're working at shortstop or second base or third base or catcher or whatever, you know, your other high impact positions are because just because they're beginners doesn't mean they're no good. They just don't know anything yet. Thinking about uh, a young second baseman wearing catcher's gear so they don't mind if they block it up or... Well, and, and, Maybe. and shin guards and, shin guard, and some yeah. of those things are probably not a nothing, bad idea nothing for the younger so beginners. Stan brings up a really good point, Don, too, you know, that when we think about these kinds of situations, when we look back at the season, let's say we're you know, uh, coaching a rec team, our success for a team and, and whether we're winning games or, or playing well or, or really having fun playing the game isn't going to be based on that two or three really good players. It's going to be based way more on how much we can help those beginners improve. How we grow. How, how we bring up the, the weakest players, how fast and how much they learn and how much they improve is really going to be the key. And, and now this is true, though, I think, of the vast majority of teams at almost every level. Even the very best team has three or four kids that are great that you know what they're going to do. And they have three or four kids in the middle that, you know, depending upon the day, they might be great or they might not. And then you have three or four kids that you don't know what's going to happen, but they're just as likely to be not great as good. Well, in this situation, for sure, if you can get those real beginners to get to the point where they're catching pop-ups yeah. and they're catching throws and they're throwing the ball to the right base and they're backing up plays and they're doing those kinds of things, you're going to have had, developed a team that's going to have a ton of success compared to the other team that has the three or four great kids hoping that they're going to stay great and they're going to be great enough to make up for the fact that we've got the weaker players on team B don't catch pop-ups. They don't back up. They can't make a throw across the field. They can't catch a throw if it gets thrown. To but them. they got two or three really good ones. Right. Yeah. And I think, and again, we all talk about human nature, every single topic. When you're coaching, it's a lot of fun to work with the best kids because yeah. they can do more stuff. Yep. And they can do more of the stuff that's easy to, to work things. with, the fun yeah. stuff. So if you've got a great shortstop and a great second baseman, it's easy to spend a ton of time working on double plays and stuff like that because they're good at it. But if they're trying to turn a double play, but there's nobody at first base to catch it, guess what? You never get a double play. Right. Or if there's nobody in the outfield to stop the ball from rolling and throw it in so that we have a chance to keep the runner at first base to set up the double play, we're never going to have that fun either. So bringing up the weaker players and working really hard to help the weakest players improve is going to be the true measuring stick of whether you've done a good job as a rec coach. And Tori, I think in that environment too, that we're going to keep those kids in the game. Right. They'll be excited to keep going. Yeah. Well, and, and again, you know, back to my beginner story. And one of the things that she told me about going to practice that she really loved is of course they've got her in the outfield because she you know sure. has so little experience, but the very first practice they had, you know, they, they were doing like some, you know, kind of informal, whoever can come, come practices during the summer. And the very first thing they explained to her is every time the ball gets hit, when you're in the outfield, you have a job. Yep. And they started off with the most fundamental, the three Bs. 
So if the ball gets hit and it's anywhere near you, your first job is to try to catch the ball or get to the ball as fast as you can. Okay, I can do that. The second thing when you're in the outfield is if you don't get the ball hit to you, you have to back up a base. If you're in right field, it's almost always going to be first base or second base. So it's not too complicated. And as you get more experience, you'll figure out which one you're supposed to back up. Once you started figuring that out, and like, whoa, so I've got something to do on every single play? I can figure this out. So all of a sudden, the very first day, she already understands a couple of things that she can do that are an important part of playing. Yeah. So if we can do that all for beginning players, and again, you know, she's a beginning player that's trying to play at the high school level. So just think about how much more challenging that is than starting off with a beginning player who's eight trying to play with other eight-year-olds. If a high school freshman can do it because her coaches are, are investing enough to figure out ways to help her learn some stuff, when she's an absolute beginner, just think about what you can do with your younger players when you're coaching a direct team or a, a entry-level uh, school ball kind of program. So hopefully that gives you something to think about as if we keep those players involved, you never know what one of them could become. No doubt. You know, and, and we, we laugh all the time that Michael Jordan got cut when he was a freshman. Now, I'm pretty sure he was a pretty good freshman that didn't quite, you know, have make the cut, have something, but there's, there's always going to be some pretty good eight-year-olds that if we can encourage them and make them love playing, could end up being something special when they're 12 or they 14 might, or 16. They might just be the one. They could be. So that's going to wrap up number 202. Make sure you support Anderson Bat. Make sure you get, uh, take advantage of that 20% discount. Make sure you check out patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We really would love for you to become a patron. We need the extra support. Would love for you to come on board. Go to the fastpitchprep.com website or your square cut training discs there. They're $49.95 a dozen. And make sure you go to everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com to go ahead and send us ideas, suggestions, comments, ideas, things you want us to talk about in the future. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.